0: Welcome to the Canon Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Tim Emmett, the lead pastor at Canon, and I hope that this message will help you take your next step with Jesus as he leads us from death to life, from sorrow to joy, from the world as it is to the world as it will be. Thanks for joining us. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God, they through the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Can I invite you to breathe deep? Maybe one of the deepest breaths you've taken this entire year of 2023. (sighs) To let out a sigh. To breathe out all those anxieties and concerns for this time. And to breathe in the blessings and the grace of a God that cares for you. to sit for a moment in quiet and to be present in this place as we gather together. It is New Year's Eve. The last day of 2023 before New Year dawns and we find ourselves washed up on a new shore. This day arrives in that liminal in-between week where everything is somewhat out of sorts. Daily rhythms this week have probably been different for you. Work schedules are odd. In folklore, really around the world, this week between Christmas and New Year's has been understood as a time when spirits are loosened from their fetters and pushed rudely into consciousness. One reason fireworks are set off tonight is to keep those spirits on this side of the calendar break. So that the bothersome ones don't sneak over the border into the new year and can truly be started afresh. New Year's Eve this year is on a Sunday. We need somebody to preach. How about that old guy who used to hang around here? I think you can find his number somewhere. You know the story of this scripture. I'm approaching this morning with an eye toward those many stories of the Bible that call us to spiritual growth and psychological development. This one just simply spoke to me as I was thinking about this Sunday. Jonah has been given an opportunity. He's called to a path that's going to allow him to more fully participate in God's world by accomplishing a prophetic task. But it does seem difficult to Jonah, and it offends his sense of right and wrong. He doesn't want to be stretched. So to avoid what has been asked, he makes a different choice and attempts a geographic cure by buying a ticket for a faraway destination, as far as he can imagine to move out of God's presence. Those of us who have attempted such remedies already know that that will not help. Wherever we go, there we are. There is also God. As we might expect during Jonah's journey, there is a storm. He is sound asleep while the storm rages outside and threatens to plunge the entire ship's company into the deep. Most of us first heard this story sitting in tiny desk in children's Sunday school classes. It's a striking image. Outside, all hell is breaking loose with wind, water, and wave. It is chaos. It is the George Clooney movie, Perfect Storm Weather. The stitches of the world are unraveling in fury of foam and spray. But below deck... Inside the boat, Jonah slumbers, oblivious and content in a cocoon of sleep, believing all is well. Situation's not going to last. Students of the scriptures across the centuries have awarded the Jonah tale multiple levels of meaning one of which that the story is really a symbolic illustration about spiritual awareness, or better phrased, a lack of spiritual awareness. Floating across the stream of the Bible, there's a subtle theme that bobs upon its surface over centuries of writing. The Word of God is frantically concerned with men and women accessing the redemption story of God's grace as a journey through the course of their brief years. Repeatedly it contrasts this fully realized state of being with a state of sleep and being in a condition of spiritual slumber. But there's a recognition that most of us are only sleepwalking in life. Surrounded in all sides by a world that sings, but our word our ears too often are closed. We're smack in the middle of a dazzling show of grace spelled out in fireworks, but we don't look up. So the Bible tells us stories to keep nudging us. This may be another example in Mark's gospel chapter 13. Jesus references the disciples of the master who comes home one day and finds the servants asleep. Don't let this happen to you, Jesus is saying. Then the author of the same gospel provides the dismal narrative of the disciples who simply cannot stay awake in the garden when Jesus moves off to pray on the night of his arrest. The world is about to fall apart around them. The clues are all there. The ground is rumbling. Rather than think too hard about it all, let's just take a nap. Jesus' very last words to his disciples before he is taken away are stark and simple. Can't you stay awake? Such use of wakefulness as a metaphor for spiritual awareness is not limited to Christianity. It's a wonderful story about the Buddha who falls into conversation with a fellow traveler that he meets as he journeys from one village to another. Recognizing the Buddha, the traveler asks, are you a god? No, answers the Buddha. I'm not a god. Are you a prophet? Asks the traveler. No, I'm not a prophet. Well, then the traveler continues, are you a teacher? No, responds the Buddha. I don't consider myself a teacher. Well, then what are you? demands the exasperated traveler. Answers the Buddha, I am awake. While we are born awake, that first piercing infant cry signaling our awareness of something large, bright, and noisy flooding our senses into action, we quickly forget how to do that awareness well. We've become experts at learning to dim the bulb on the sensory intensity of life. Some of this is by developmental necessity, as psychologist William James noted there's a requirement to escape the blooming, buzzing confusion of bombarding experience and bring it some order and meaning. But it seems that a basic available function of popular culture becomes that of a dimmer switch, dosing us with a general anesthetic against an awareness of the brilliance that is all around us, providing endless medications and tools for dulling apprehension, for narrowing the frequency range of our attention, for distracting us from paying close attention to the bustle of angels that are passing us on our left and our right. God could stroll across a Kroger parking lot calling our name, and if God wasn't using what used to be Twitter or texting or TikTok, we'd miss the moment. We forget how to see, how to hear, It's no wonder Jesus is always crying out about eyes and ears to be opened. But the truth is that the awakeness called for in our scriptures, which is echoed within holy stories of all religious traditions, is an easy achievement. The birth of the filmmaking in the 20th century Stories of waking up and becoming fully aware migrated to the screen from simple stories. 1939, the Wizard of Oz movie functions on one level as an illustration of the psyche, the Greek word for soul, coming to awareness, inviting the incorporation, the integration of various aspects ourselves into wholeness. And the film actually ends with Dorothy literally waking up. Social psychologists, depth psychologists like Carl Jung have long recognized that men and women around the world, we project our anxieties and fears about life onto images that show up in stories, show up in movies and film, collective expressions of our concerns and fears. It's not an accident that the giant fire-breathing or rather fire-throwing-out creature Godzilla emerged on the screen in the 1950s. There was a growing deep awareness of the danger of destruction from atomic bombs. Godzilla, if you remember, emerged from the deep waters just off of Japan. Jungian psychologists suggest this monster slipped out of the waters of our unconscious, provided an image of that which terrifies and frightens, threatening destruction. Something bigger than we know how to deal with. It's a call to thoughtfulness, it's a call to activity, but it's also really hard. Let's go back to sleep. The last few decades, there's been an invasion of zombie movies. There have been so many, they've become their own genre. started maybe in the 1960s with George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, certainly has become its own industry in the last 10 to 15 years with an explosion of movies. Popular television shows like The Walking Dead, I recently listened to a podcast in which several psychologists discuss this burgeoning cinematic television experience as well as its popularity. What aren't zombies? Where they're former fully living beings whose existence now, represent a loss of consciousness and individuality. Life for a zombie is non-life, reduced to an unrelenting hunger that can never be satiated no matter how much is consumed. Zombies are non-reflective, non-aware, except on the most basic level. They don't think. Everything that makes life a joy, curiosity, friendship. Creativity, imagination, learning, spirituality, it's all gone. There's only thick, dulled responsiveness to loud and overwhelming stimuli. There is no dancing. Life is shuffled through like awkward sleepwalkers. Everything that makes us into individuals goes away, and our psyches, our souls are dead. There is no spirit. Zombies become herd animals of consumption, unquestioning, simply plotting from one day to the next in search of what they will never find, never be satisfied by. These kinds of stories reflect that need for an inner journey of discovery and an awakening, a journey that's both external and internal, coming to realize the complexity and the richness of life experience and the existence of something more than what you thought you knew by yourself. Something like T.S. Eliot's recognition that the end of our journeying will be to return to the place from which we began and to know the place for the first time. Some of my favorite verses of poetry come from the pen of a 19th century poet, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, who wrote, Earth is crammed with heaven. And every common bush is a fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. 1969, humorous Irma Brombeck offered a great quote in her holiday December newspaper column. She wrote, There's nothing sadder in this world than to awaken Christmas morning And not be a child. What she's thinking about here is the enchantment of Christmas morning that awakens awe and wonder at what has appeared around us. And she laments this loss because she recognized that we live in a disenchanted world in which we've grown tired, removed the magic, the astounding, the surprising and replace it with the cynical, the sarcastic, the nuanced self-reference, the path of least resistance, the knowing postmodern dismissal, the satiated appetite for distraction, all of us asleep in the depths of the ship, stirring only momentarily and fitfully for the next Michael Jackson level of bizarre, the exotic, the next adrenaline rush, the next fix." Our culture misinterprets this deeper need to experience the world with the wonder and the openness of a child and it simply offers to treat us as children giving us the equivalent of candy and sweets to keep us quiet but in the end it doesn't really satisfy because it's not about being childish but carrying into adulthood an echo of that childlike, wide-eyed appreciation that the world is a place of grace filled with revelation, finding it in relationships, creativity, acts of compassion. But we hide away and lie down for a nap. But it seems that God's grace is continually and gently pushing inward from every angle upon this edifice of our own creations. And it turns out that even our best attempts to build a grace-proof construction is prone to leak. For every once in a while, even in this jaded world, we are called off guard and something of wonderment sneaks through to surprise us. There are cracks in the ceiling and there are moments, sometimes even in worship, sometimes even in relationships, when a drop of dew from that first garden falls softly to splash across our cheeks and we find our eyelids fluttering and our hearts beating a little faster as we hear our name being called by someone who is gently touching our shoulder and urging us to awaken to the gift of life that surrounds us. Dorothy Gale woke up in Kansas to proclaim that if her heart's desire couldn't be found in her own backyard, well, she never really lost it. That is a move toward wisdom and being awake. Although if St. Augustine had been standing by her bedside, he might have wanted to clarify that her heart's desire, its tossing and turning, would only be satisfied when it rested in God. And perhaps Dorothy would have looked up from her bed and answered, Exactly. As a community of faith, we seek together to learn the discipline of staying awake and watchful and to remind each other that we live in a world that is full of miracle and wonder. The approach of each day should trigger a curiosity and the excitement of anticipation. And we need to keep nudging the person next to us and asking them to do the same for us. It's reminiscent of an old Hasidic story of the kingdom whose ruler learned that the next crop would be cursed, that all who ate of the harvest would learn their, excuse me, would lose their memories and forget who they were. So the ruler sent out word across the land that all which remained of this year's harvest be gathered into one large storehouse. And this was done. Then he called his most trusted advisor, and gave her a key to the storehouse and said, you must only eat of this grain, he instructed, until the crops are all safe again. And you must make it your duty to travel throughout our kingdom once all have forgotten and tell the stories again and again and call out, remember. Remember. Perhaps we might change that charge to awaken Wake up! A message for a world of men and women who have given themselves over to an over-ongoing sleep of numbness and distraction. In the Synoptic Gospels, we find an odd parallel to the story of Jonah's ship-bound slumber. Jesus and crew are heading across the Sea of Galilee while Jesus grabs a nap. Storms comes up, threatens to upend the boat least that's how it seems to the disciples, they awaken Jesus who sizes up the situation and cries out, peace, be still. Is he calling out to the elements of the storm or is he speaking to the raging anxiety of the disciples? You don't have to be lying on a pillow to be asleep. and The sun can be shining around you while the storm is raging and the boat is at risk. It's a matter of being awake and aware. May God grant us wisdom and discernment as a community this year. May be willing to nudge each other when we begin to nod off. Being ever attentive to that call from the Spirit that bids us to look, to see, to pray, to act, to follow. One last point. Our God is a God of second and third Choices, chances, opportunities. Always reaching out to give us a shake. To bring us to a realization of the wonder we have before us in this one wonderful gift of life. Jonah, he's not going to remain asleep. He is going to end up in the sea. But he's going to be swallowed there in the waters by a large fish that God sends to save him. He will be carried back to shore and left to dry out on a beach. Jonah, here's yet another chance to come to full consciousness, to grow spiritually. Go to Nineveh, that place where you think are your enemies, and you're going to learn something new. For each of us here this morning, for those of you that are listening, May we wake up on a new shore tomorrow morning, and rather than plunging back into sleep, may our first thoughts be, okay, God, what do you have in mind to show me today? Amen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that this message will help you have a great week by helping you walk in faith, hope, and love. Looking for more information about Canon? Check us out on the web at canonchurch.org or follow us on Facebook at CanonUMC and Instagram at Canon Church 2424